Hello, and welcome to Dad Educates Daughter, the podcast on 80s music. Series 3, episode 19. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Dad. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. So another week of bands that I missed off because I hadn't really or had heard either hadn't heard of them or hadn't really classed them as um 80s um yeah. and there's nothing to say i mean it's hard to know what you'd call an 80s band because if mm. they had a part in the or you know they these have had a part in the 80s so yeah they still had hits so that's yes yeah yeah and this is the last episode we go into next week with those that didn't have a hit so were they unlucky or, you know, were they just Misjudged. trying to jump on the bandwagon at the time? Mm. We will see what you think. But um, that, you know that's what? next I'm, week. I'm intrigued yeah. with next week to see how many songs I have, to see how many times these people tried to get uh, in. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm intrigued with. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Well, going back to this week, you had The Pogues, mm-hmm. Cock Robin, the Hooters, Midnight Oil, Waterfront, Darling Buds, and Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers. I did. So, um, without going into too much, how did you find it? Um, do you know what I did like this week? There's loads of different instruments that have been used, like ones that you wouldn't usually hear. Like, it's not just standard, you know, your guitar, mm-hmm. your drum, your keyboard. There's, like, some other bits that I've heard. Um, I found it really hard to pick whether or not you've influenced me enough um, because some of the bands are good, but obviously it comes down to whether you've influenced me enough so that I would listen to them again, like through my own choice. So yeah. I've had to think a lot about it. Like I've had to well, I suppose I'm not surprised. I mean, because these groups are the groups that didn't really, as I say, I miss them. They didn't have a big effect on the 80s i mean obviously the pogues everyone knows for a fairy tale in new york but outside of that they're not really their their music i wouldn't say is is generally generally yeah. known other unless you're a fan it. of the pogues yeah and as for the others i'll be honest i hadn't heard of them apart from obviously jive bunny and the master mixers who were i suppose a bit of a novelty or um Obviously, they're not a group as such. They're master mixers. Mm. They mixed. And the music they mixed were like from the 60s, 50s, 60s. So, um, yeah, it's not not quite what you'd class as 80s, although Mm. they had a big impact on the at the end of the 80s, a big impact. Um, And obviously early 90s. Well, I suppose it might have influenced the 90s. Yeah. And I suppose that's what you've got to remember, because that sort of music is what was was coming out of the late 80s early 90s the house music dj mixing sort of music um over the what we'd seen with pop music Mm -hmm. um during the 80s so yeah someone had to start it didn't they didn't just come from from so um any number ones no I've not gone for any. Uh, unless Fairy Tale of New York was number number one, but I feel like it wasn't, so I want to go with none. That's what I've gone with. You may be surprised there were three. Shut up. 
three Sorry. number ones. Okay, I'm intrigued to where So you wouldn't have like, even a guess at who the three would be? No, the Pogues probably have one, and the Jive Bunny and the Mixers probably have one, because the Pogues and Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers are the ones with the majority of the songs this week. Everyone else had, like, one or two. So unless they're a one-hit wonder and got a number one, but then it would shock me that they didn't have any more hit. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. No, I don't, want, I don't want to pick. I'd, I'd, All right. I don't know. Well, not we'll, we'll, we'll find out first because you've got the Pogues first up. So we'll see how many number ones they've got mm-hmm. and go from there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, um, let's talk music. Let's talk the Pogues. Yeah. So obviously, like you've already said, and I think I said it last week, the Pogues, they're the ones that did the Christmas song, aren't they? So I knew straight up. I didn't even listen to Fairy Tale of New York because, I mean, we're in February. I didn't want to listen to a Christmas song. So I didn't listen to it, but I, I know it as well. Now. Um, what's weird is, the re- so you've got Fairy Tale of New York, which obviously I know if you don't know, you've got problems but the other songs that they've got i wouldn't have expected it to sound like that because it's so different from fairy tale of new york and obviously yes that's a christmas song but it's got a whole different feel like a whole different sound so that was um wet like unexpected um some of their songs weren't even on spotify which i was shocked by considering they're known for the christmas songs they'd think they'd have everything else Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone with a bit of swing, a bit of funk, and okay. I don't know whether this is a genre, but you know, like shanty, shanty, whatever you want to call it. Like, isn't it an Irish thing to have a shanty? I don't know. Does it's a type of song in it? I'd shanty. probably say yes. Yeah, but I'm not hundred percent certain. With you not being hundred percent certain can't be to anything to do with the pokes then um i'm wondering whether they are irish i don't know um i don't i didn't see much of them with the videos when i have seen them the lead vocalist always wore sunglasses and they were just smartly dressed but i can't really tell you how many were even in the band um i just really didn't see them that much to be honest um but the lead vocalist has quite a unique voice that is quite husky or hoarse as I want to say, and they do quite fast pacing in. But yeah, it was a nice start to the week. Okay, so um, the Pogues were, are, were, I think they're still going actually. Um, no, they, they, they've, they've stopped in 2014. So the Pogues were Shane McGowan, vocals and guitar, Spider Stacy on vocals, Jem Finer on saxophone, banjo and guitar, James Fernley on piano, accordion and guitar. So as you've already mentioned oh, about these yeah. other different music instruments. I thought I could hear bagpipes, but it must have been an accordion. Yeah. Um Kate O'Reardon on bass. Andrew and that's Kate as in C A I T. Andrew Rankin on drums, um, and then Darry Hunt on bass until from 1986, Terry Wood on guitar from 1986, 
and Philip Chevron on guitar also from 1985. So they were formed in 1982 in London. Oh, okay, they're not Irish. They are Celtic punk, folk punk, kind of generous music. So Celtic funk. What's Celtic? Is that Scottish or is that? That's Irish, Anglo-Irish. Oh, okay. As you will see. So the Anglo-Irish Celtic punk band were formed when James Fearnley founded the band, having met McGowan through the band. Both were in originally called the Nips. And McGowan recruited Peter Spider Stacy and Jem Finer, who were in the band The New Republicans. Um who had been called originally the Millwall Chainsaws, which McGowan founded. So McGowan founded the Millwall Chainsaws. Wow. He obviously left to go join the Nips, um, and the Millwall Chainsaws changed their name to the New Republicans. Right, accounts. Yeah. Um, so McGowan was a member alongside Stacey and Finer for, for those. Uh, the quartet originally called the band Pogue Mahone. Oh. And they played their first gig at in King's Cross at the Pinder of Wakefield. Um, and that's now known as the Water Rats. So it's obviously still there, or it was when this was updated, where I got my information. Um, so that was on the 4th of October 1982. They played there, their first gig, just the four okay. of them. By the time their second planned gig at 100 Club in Oxford Street, London, uh, both Kate O'Riordan and Andre Rankin, Rankin, sorry, R-A-N-K-E-N, they joined the band and they released the single Dark Streets of London on their own self-titled label, which helped gain them a small reputation um as a good live i suppose you know sort of group you go and see at the local pub or yeah. club um so they gained a small small reputation kind of uh, like the underground yeah 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 but you know like when you see live music and yeah with that kind of band that you go and listen to right. and you know if they're obviously good you think oh they're actually quite good you know and yeah. everyone starts somewhere as they sang um but yeah so then they were getting airplay on bbc radio one through their their single dark streets of london um and this helped bring the band to the attention of the clash who got them to support them on their 1984 tour and the group or the band then signed a deal with stiff records then following BBC censorship after complaints from Gaelic speakers in Scotland, they shortened their name to the Pogues. So Pogue Mahone means kiss my ass. Stop. Yes. So by changing it to just the Pogues, that just a means kiss. a kiss. So there we but go. It's it's like become made a big deal out of it no one would have known that their name was kiss my ass no but that's what they're saying gaelic speakers in scotland did yeah that's true but then if they didn't I make think, a big deal out of i think it, it's something it. that's directed by the irish at the scots kiss my ass poke my oh, own okay. 
Okay. So the Scots okay. were obviously the Gaelic Gaelic speakers in Scotland took offence by it. And yeah. when you were, I suppose if if you're if you know, suppose if, if you know, depending on the context of it, it's fine. But if you're a band and you want to grow your support, you pissing off a that. whole country probably ain't the best way to go about it. No, not really. So the they just it to the Pogues. So they released their first album, Red Roses, for me, and gained more attention when the Tube showed a video of their version of Waxy Dargle, a traditional Irish folk song, although Stiff Records refused to um, release it as a single. Oh, why? It was just something they were obviously doing in the pubs and clubs. Someone took a video and the Tube showed it. Because they've obviously thought it was very good, um, got a good, fo- good, a good, you know, um, positive reception reviews reception from it. But Stiff Records wouldn't release it. So oh. then, with the help of producer Elvis Costello, they recorded their second album, Rum, Sodomy, and the Lash, in 1985, with guitarist Phil Chevron joining the band. The album is known for McGowan's songwriting of poetic, poetic storytelling with the tracks The Sick Bed of... Now, I'm not completely sure how you pronounce this. Cuchlanin, Cuchlain, C-U-C-H-U-L-A-I-N-N. Yeah, what I'm not going to even try. And The Old Main Drag. However... The band failed to take advantage of the commercial success of their second album as they refused to record another album, instead just releasing an, a four-track EP called Poggetry in Motion. And it also saw Kate O'Rarden leave the group after marrying the then producer, or the producer of the previous album, Elvis Costello. Um, so she left. And she was replaced with the bassist Darrell Hunt, while multi-instrumentalist Terry Woods also joined. While their record label, Stiff Records, went bankrupt on the back of their um, follow-up or one of their next singles, which was with the Dubliners. So it was the Pogues that made Stiff Records go bankrupt? Well, I wouldn't say it was the Pogues that made them go bankrupt, but they went bankrupt after their... The um, Irish Rover? The, uh, I can't remember what it, it was. The no. Irish Rover? Irish Rover, yes, that's the one. So um, the record label Stiff Records went bankrupt soon after the 1987 release of the single, oh, The Irish Rover, which was with the Dubliners. Wouldn't it be Dubliners? No? Dubliners, no. isn't it? Dubliners, Dubliners, Dublin, Dubliners. They're probably from Dublin. Okay. The Dubliners. So the band then recorded a hit duet with Kirsty McCall, which went on to be the number one in Ireland. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) Meaning their single, Fairy Tale of New York, was Ireland's Christmas number one for 1987. Well, at least they got one. And has since become a festive classic 
in the UK and Ireland and was even voted the best Christmas song of all time three years running in 2004, 2005 and 2006 on the music channel VH1. Good one, to be fair. That is a good Christmas song. It's not my favourite, but it's it's an up there one. They're following two albums, If I Should Fall From Grace With God and Peace And Love, both charted in the UK top five album chart. And by this time, McGowan was becoming unreliable and even failed to turn up for the opening dates of their 1988 tour of America and also prevented the band from promoting their fifth studio album, Hell's Ditch. So in 1991, the band decided to sack him and brought in Joe Strummer from The Clash for vocal duties. Oh. Bearing in mind, The Clash is who they they So they obviously, you know, Mm. yeah. They've obviously stayed in contact and got a good relationship with them then. However, he shortly left in the winter of 91, so Spider Stacy took over and recorded the sixth album, Waiting for Herb, which contained the band's final top 20 single, Tuesday Morning, which became their best-selling single internationally. Oh, really? So, yeah. Terry Woods and co-founder of the Pogues, Jim Fianley, then left the band to be replaced by David Coulter and James McNally. However, within months of Woods and Fianley's departures, Phil Chevron left due to ill health. He was replaced with Jamie Clark. So the lineup now consisted of Spider Stacy on vocals, Jim Finer on saxophone and guitar, Andrew Rankin, Rankin on drums, Darrell Hunt on bass, David Coulter on violin, James McNally on accordion, and Jamie Clark on guitar. Um, So, yeah, yeah. So they recorded the band's seventh and final album, Pogue Mahone, the original name of the band. Um, The album was a commercial failure, um, and then Jem Finer announced his departure in 1996. So with this news, the remaining members decided it was time to call it quits. Wait, that was in 1996? Yes. So what did they do between then and 2014? Well, they just done what, their own stuff. So, in 2001, the band, including Shane McGowan, reformed for a Christmas tour and then performed nine shows in the UK and Ireland in 2004. They continued to play gigs and festivals until 2014. Right, okay. When they finally called it a day. Joe Strummer died in December 2002 from a heart attack, aged 50, who was the ex-Clash. Well, Clash Stroke X and obviously a bit part of the Pokes. Uh, while Phil Chevron died in October 2013 from cancer, aged 56. And then Darrell Hunt died in August 2022 at the age of 72. Why do people die so young? Different 
reasons, isn't there? Yeah, but still a lot of people, a lot of times in this podcast, a lot of people have died. I get that they're a lot older than you, but a lot of people have died. Well, the thing is, back in the early days, mental health wasn't a thing. Mm. So there was a lot of suicides, as we've touched and on. That, yeah, and I guess there was a lot of drugs um, as well, weren't there? Yeah, yeah. Drug overuse. Yes. Mm. Different times. It was. So, they had three top 20 singles, eight top 20 albums. So the albums were 1985's One Sodomy and the Lash, got to number 13. 1988's If I Should Fall from Grace with God, got to number 3. 1989's Peace and Love, got to number 5. 1990s Hell's Ditch got to number 12. In 1991, they brought out The Best of the Pogues, number 11. In 1993, you had Waiting for Herb, which um, was without Shane McGowan. Uh, that got to number 20. Then in 2001, they brought out The Very Best Of. That got to number 18. And in 2005, they brought the, out The Ultimate Collection. And that got to number 15. Okay. So, on to the singles. Mm -hmm. So, 1986, you had the EP, Pogatry in Motion. That got to number 29. Oh, that's not bad. It's not the best. Um, I mean, I didn't think much of this one. It just had a good beat. It was upbeat, but it, it weren't like a shout-out. Made me want to listen to it again. It was just yeah. a song. It probably sold because there was, I guess, there would have been four tracks. Well, I think I did read out that there was four tracks. Yeah. On Pogatry in Motion. So yeah. I don't know what the others were. So I did. When I obviously gave you the songs, it just had Pogatry in Motion. Yeah. Well, when I've then Pogatry in Motion. Yeah. Um, which is what I sent you. But when I was re when I was doing my um, white up. Obviously, found out it was an EP, which and it was a four track, so there'd have been another three tracks. So, so Pogatry in Motion, even though that was the sound, the, the, the title of it, that might not that might necessarily be. have been a better song. Mm, well, that's the only song that I listened to because you obviously only sent me that and you didn't say it was yeah. an EP. No, when I, I no. that one weren't on Spotify, so when I watched on YouTube, it did come up EP, and I was like, Oh, do I? Do I not? And then I saw just the uh, poetry in motion uh, so i only listened to that one so i can't tell you what the other three were like no. okay so then we go on to 1986 still haunted number 42 okay this one i think was in a film i didn't write it down but when watching the videos it said something about oh what film was it in it said as seen in and there was a film, she had the word him in it. Don't know. But I liked the vocals in that one. Okay. Um, yeah, there's nothing really on it because um, it wasn't a big hit. So um, I couldn't yeah. tell you. Not going to know that. Yeah. So then we had 1987, The Irish Rover with the Dubliners. That got yeah. to number eight. Okay, well, this was my favorite. So obviously, I was like, "Who are the Dubliners?" Um, but obviously, you. Um, this one was the one that I think there was bagpipes in it. 
but then I'm unsure as to whether that might have just been my ears falling me and it was actually just an accordion. Who knows? It's quite a repetitive song, but it's very catchy. So, I, but yeah, my favourite, like I said. Okay. Um, so now we have 1987, The Fairy Tale of New York with Kirsty mm-hmm. McCall. Now, it's actually re-released in 1991 and got to number 36. So not so good then. But how did yeah. it do in 1987 with its actual release? Well, it, yeah. I can tell you it got into the top 10. Probably no surprise there. Nope. I can also tell you oh. it got into the top five. Ooh. Go on. I can also tell you it got into the top two. Oh, no. They're going to be a number two. The Fairy Tale of New York. With Kirsty McCall and the Pokes, Christmas 1987, number two. Yeah, see, I didn't think it was a number one, but it is so good. It's a classic. It's not my up there, because we all know that's one. Listen to the Christmas podcast. But, um, yeah, it's just a classic. You can't go wrong. But then, like I say, I skipped it, because I don't want to be listening to it in February. No. So I'm just looking at what the actual Christmas number one was. Mm, good shout. While you look at that, I quickly looked up the film that came up with um, Haunted, and it was a film called Sid and Nancy. Um, it's okay. a British biographical film. Mm. Oh, Sid out. Vicious, Sid Vicious. From the Sex Pistols, I'm, I think that would be about. Okay. Okay, um, so they weren't even number two at Christmas. Yeah, it is. The ch- yeah, the chart was done on Boxing Day, which is when they got to number two. Sorry, no, 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 I'm looking at the wrong one. That's 13th to the 19th. So they were number two for Christmas, behind Always On My Mind by the Pet Shop Boys. Mm. With Walking Around a Christmas Tree, Comic Relief with Mel and Kim, as in Mel Smith and Kim Wilde. Number it three, and me. Rick Astley, When I Fall in Love, at number four. So it baffles me how non-Christmas songs can be Christmas number ones. Yeah. I'm because like, no, Pet Boys had a Christmas big day. following back in 86, 87. Yeah, but um, I think the radio should only play Christmas songs at Christmas and there should only be Christmas songs allowed in the charts at Christmas because it annoys yeah, well, me. If we're going People that way, I totally agree. I, I agree with you. I mean, the last decent Christmas song in the charts was probably The Darkness and they didn't get to number one either. Because then you had all the X Factors. Yeah, yeah, and they they don't sing a Christmas song. No, just so no. happens at the time X Factor finishes, it's Christmas yeah. time. I mean, the good thing is with with you know one of the good things I suppose with um, streaming is a lot of the you don't have to release a record now for it no, to be a single to no, get in. And I think wham. and obviously Wham last Christmas have got their number one since, and so did Mariah yeah. Carey. Who weren't, neither of them were number one when they bought them out. Yeah, exactly. Because everyone downloads them for Christmas, that helped them get to number one later on. Yeah, that is one good thing. But it's like no one makes Christmas songs like they used to. No, no, as I say, I think the dark. Oh, no, didn't Ed Sheeran do one with uh, Melton John? John, Yeah, they did. That was probably the last hit Christmas song. 
I like bashing it, but there are people like Lad Baby. They've got number one like the last four years or something. The only good thing is they raise money for charity. But yeah, but why don't they do it for the rest of the year? Why didn't why 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 Christmas? Exactly. Christmas should just be Christmas songs, but Christmas songs also should only be played in December. Yeah, no, bit of November. No, no, too early. No. Yes, too early. Christmas till Boxing Day, and then that's it. No. I don't want to be yeah. hearing a Christmas song when Christmas is finished. I'm back at work and there's Christmas songs. Some of us aren't. But the same, I don't want to be hearing them in November. December the 1st. That's when your Advent calendar suddenly appears on the shelf. No, that's, when the, that's when the Christmas song. At, at home it is. Oh, when you start no. opening them. You work in, a, in, a re, in retail as well. You hear it from when? After Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Moving on. 1988 Fiesta got to number 24. Okay. This one was just fun, upbeat. The beat in it's really good. It doesn't go, like I said, having the fairy tale of New York. I was just like, Fiesta? Where's this sound come from? But it's because I literally relate the Pogues to Christmas. So I don't yeah. expect to hear them in a normal way. But yeah. Uh, that one was a fun one. If anything, that was my second favourite. Okay. 1989, Misty Morning Albert Bridge, number 41. Oh. Just outside. Yeah, this one was a very mellow song. It was, the vocals are very quiet, so it was quite hard to get into it. And then 1993, Tuesday Morning, that got to number 18. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't think there was much to it. There weren't much body. It kind of like the last two could have been missed off for me. Okay. So that's the Pogues as we move on to Cock Robin. What a name. Um, That's one thing that what is the name about? I only had one song from them, um, but I did listen to two more. So I listened to When Your Heart Is Weak. And that's a slow song, and it's quite annoying because it's not much change in the tone. You know, like usually, like we've both said this, when it gets to the chorus, you like a bit of a more upbeat or like a change so you can differentiate. Not in that one, it's not. And then I listened to Just Around the Corner, and that one had a good beat, you know, but from their songs, the, the songs are quite mellow. They've just got the same pace throughout. There's not much change in them um like even the one that you gave me they're all quite similar with sounds um very 80s vibes from the video and the main guy had a unibrow i was like all right you rock it but yeah other than that had a what sorry unibrow a uni how do you know it went to uni a unibrow I have no idea what you're on about. One eyebrow, straight across the face. Really? Sure it went drawn in? How can you have just one eyebrow? Because you can get hair in the middle. (laughs) How did that one? Checking my own now. I know you are. Um, Well, okay. Trust me. I'll have to look it up. Never ever seen it. 
Um, so um, yeah. we're still looking for three number ones because the Pogues didn't yeah, have one. Have so done. Cock Robin? No? no. Yeah. And if they have, I'll be very surprised because, like I say, I listened to three altogether. You only gave me one. So if anything, it's going to be the one you gave me. And all three of them sounded similar to one another. So I can't see one being a number one and them not getting a hit for anything else. Well, there might be a reason why, as we'll come to. So, okay. Cock Robin, with Peter Kingsbury on vocals, Anna Lacazio on vocals and keyboards, Clive Wright on guitar, and Lou Malinio III on drums. They were formed in 1982 in San Francisco, California. So what I'm saying is maybe all their singles didn't appear internationally because they were from America. America. So we yeah, might only have one. They won't have, nah, because I always think if you're, like, if you've had a one-hit wonder, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're number one, does it? It just means that you've got that one hit, it's hit yeah. quite high, and then you have yeah. nothing else. But I think if you're going to get a number one, there's no way that you're not going to release another song and it not peak anywhere. So, no, if they've got a number one, I'm going to be very, very shocked. So they are a pop rock new wave band. Mm. Did you have that down? Oh, no, I just said pop. Okay. Uh, So they were founded by the singer-songwriter Peter Kingsbury and they are named after a... 17th century story titled The Marriage of Cock Robin and Jenny Wen. But why? They just pick up a random book and think this will do. Obviously. Um, So they signed to the record label CBS Records and they released their debut album, Cock Robin, in 1985. Although it had limited success in their native country, um, as with most of their releases, it was a success in Europe, especially in Italy, where it came number four in their album oh. chart. The Netherlands, it got to number two. France, it was number seven. And Germany, number nine. While the singles, When Your Heart Is Weak, The Promise You Made, and Thought You Were On My Side, all became big hits. With the promise you made peaking or reaching number one in Belgium and number two in the Netherlands. While Thought You Were On My Side peaked at number four in both Belgium and the Netherlands. Um, The promise you made also was a top ten hit in France at number four. Germany at number six. Switzerland number seven. And the European Hot 100, it got to number eight. So the European Hot 100 is Europe's um, best singles based on the national singles sales. So they obviously lump them all together and work out a chart um, mm-hmm. from 17 countries, including the UK, Ireland, Italy, Spain, Portugal, Denmark, Sweden and Austria, amongst others. Oh. So the single When Your Heart Is Weak, which you said you did listen to. That was the band's only success in their native US, charting at number 35 in the Billboard Hot 100. That was their only success. Only success? Nothing nothing with their albums, nothing with their other singles. 
just that single. Oh, that's so weird. That so, yeah. That never happens. No. So, in 1987, the band was down to just Peter Kingsbury and Anna Lucasio. So, with session musicians, they recorded a second album, After Here mm. Through Midland, which again had success throughout Europe. Switzerland, it got to number three. France, it got to number four. Germany, number five. Netherlands, number six. Norway, number eight eight and sweden number nine while the single just around the corner reached number six in switzerland and number 10 in the european hot 100 while also reaching the top 20 in belgium at number 11 sweden number 12 the netherlands number 14 germany number 16 and france number 18 not as good success as the previous ones but still moderately good um, and then two years later, in 1989, the band released their third album and their third and final album, First Love, Last Rites. That charted at number 11 in France, along with the singles Worlds Apart and Straight Line, both charting in France at 22 and 28, respectively. And uh, number one. But other than that didn't really do anything anywhere else so italy loved them in the first one belgium the second or belgium italy that's and then france with the last the last one i'm still i still can't get over the fact that they've not really been a hit in the u.s yeah no no only one no albums just one single charted and it's not even the one that you gave me it's only because yeah. i listened to it yeah so in 1990, the duo went their separate ways. However, in June 2006, Peter Kingsbury announced Cock Robin were to release a new album and tour the album. So they re were going to release a new album and do a tour on the back of it. Yeah, yeah. So um, the album, the band's fourth, I Don't Want to Save the World, which also saw Clive White back. Um to join Peter Kingsbury and Anna Lacazio. Um, although the album failed to chart in any country except France, where it was 175. <laughs> they had another three albums since have been released. Um, Songs from a Bell up. Tower. <laughs> hey? Why haven't they given up? Well, they obviously enjoy what they're doing. Apparently so, so but... Songs from a Bell Tower in 2010, Chinese Driver in 2016, and Homo Alien in 2021. Stop. That recent. Yeah. Although none charted, unless you count Chinese Driver in Belgium, number 163, and in France it got to 250. I am baffled, like, I, okay. And so it's they weird have, different songs have charted differently or may, been bigger hits in these other countries yeah. than what I, like. Yeah. So in the UK, they just had one top 30 single, which was 1986, The Promise You Made, and it reached... Number 28. 
See, trying to make me think that they could have a number one give over. Um, like I've said of all the others, like there's not much else I can say about the songs other than they're slow, no change in tune. Um, yeah, I couldn't. I don't even know what would be my favorite. Just around the corner would be my favorite. It's not even the one that you gave me. Yeah. Okay. Swiftly moving on because that sounded like a um, proper band. The Hooters. The Hooters. <laughs> um, I've gone for rock, pop, maybe pop rock, however you want to say. Um, again, only one song. So I listened to two more. So I listened to And We Danced, which was upbeat. It was my favourite out of the three that I like, included in what you gave me. Catchy. I could listen to that one again. It was quite, I enjoyed that. And then I also listened to Johnny B, which is very rocky. So very different. Yeah. Um, it's got the good old guitar solos in there, hasn't it? Um, now, Satellite, the one that you gave me, the video, the video. Let's just talk about that video. So there's a child sat on an armchair watching TV. Oh, and her, a woman appears, I'm guessing it's her mum, because then a man appears, I'm guessing her dad. They look like Amish people. Amish? They're the right ones, aren't they? The ones that are really... With the hats. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. old village. Um, the TV has lots of people waving on it, so like it's like lots of different clips, and they look like TV shows, but they're waving. And then you see the girl wave, and she looks like she's getting annoyed. And then the vocalist appears from the Hooters, and he's singing, but he's like imposed in front of the clips that have already been shown and then the girl's really happy and i'm like what am i watching what is this this is a weird video but then when like and all i could look at was the video i was like what am i sat watching so it's a very memorable video not gonna forget that one anytime soon but yeah i'll let you know about the song when you get to that but that was the video so i'm not really sure there's not much to say about the Hooters because, not going to lie, I didn't really focus on them. I think that the guy that was singing had like long black hair. So, but yeah, okay, very old. Um, just to uh, go back to what I said, I said that the cock robin went down like a rubber band. I meant an overused one where you know when the bat, the elastic's gone, it gets all brittle. So yeah, it's yeah. like it's flat. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I meant. I didn't mean they would bounce yeah, them like, springy you, or whatever. I don't know. Well, you're thinking of to say I went down like a lead balloon. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what I did mean. Uh, yeah, like and I didn't think about it. That's an elastic band. <laughs> but anyway, moving on to the Hooters, as you've just said, um, only one song. Uh, we're still looking. We've had two group, two bands gone, three number so ones. Like it's not going to be. No, it's not going to be these. You know, with a video like that, you've just explained. You know. Um, yeah. True. So, oh, the Hooters, Eric Bazilian on vocals and guitars, Rob Hyman on vocals and keyboards, David Hosikinen on drums, Bobby Woods on bass, John Kuzma on guitar. Um, both Woods and Kuzma left in 1982. They were replaced with John Lilly on guitar and Rob Miller on bass. Although Miller left in 84 um, to be replaced with Andy King on bass. And then Andy King left in 87 
and was replaced by Fran Smith Jr. So they've gone for a few base yeah. basis. But um, other than that, the rest of them are the, the same. They formed in 1980 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in the US. And they are a Celtic rock, rock, new wave band. Okay, got a lot of the Celtic. Celtic, Celtic sorry, Celtic. Yeah. I'm thinking of Celtic, the football clubs. Don't go Celtic, but in music, it's Celtic, Celtic. rather than yeah. Celtic. Yeah. Um, so the Hooters were formed by Rob Hyman and Eric Bazilian and played their first gig on the 4th of July, 1980. And their name is from the nickname used to describe the mel 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 melodica, which is a handheld keyboard. Right. So a melodica, um, for some reason, the nickname of it is Hooters. Okay. I don't understand that either, but there we go. Yeah, not sure. Um, so during the early 1980s, the band played mainly on the Philadelphia club scene and gained commercial success after frequent airplay and grew to being heard along their native east coast of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Um, then MTV started rotating several of the band's tracks, including All It You Zombies, Day by Day, And We Danced, and Where Do the Children Go? All You Zombies was from their first album, Amore, which was released in 1981. However, it didn't gain any chart success, so they included the all, all You Zombies on their second album, Nervous Night, which was released in 1985. So they actually... Um, Obviously, really liked the single or you zombies that they put listen. it on two albums. I only listened to that one, kind of wish I did now. Ah. Um, so yeah, so Nervous Night, the album, the second album was released in 1985 and included And We Danced, Day by Day, Where Do the Children Go, along with All You Zombies. Um, both And We Dance and Day by Day peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, singles chart, with the album charting at number 12 in the Billboard Hot 200 album chart. So yeah, they've done very well as far as in America, unlike um, Cock Robin. Um, yeah. The band also played at Live Aid. Oh, did they? In Philadelphia, because there was two. Yeah. There was one in London, yeah. one in Philadelphia. They played in Philadelphia, which is obviously their native, their home um i don't know what you call it county country home state. um well no because pennsylvania is a state so hometown city yeah one of them philadelphia um in 1985 and following that their success um with their second album and although the band had seen limited international success with all you zombies charting at number eight in australia number 16 in New Zealand and number 17 in Germany, while And We Danced charted in both Australia and New Zealand at number six and nine, respectively. In 1987, the band released their third studio album, One Way Home, which charted at number 12 in Sweden, number 15 in Norway, number 14 in Switzerland, and number 17 in Germany. All higher 
than in their native homeland where it charted at number 27 on the Billboard Hot 200 chart. So not as successful with their second album in there in the US, but they were more successful because now they've obviously been people have seen them or through Live Aid and what have you. So suddenly they're they're being seen and they're probably being promoted better in in Europe. And they obviously did better. Um, So although the single Johnny B did well in the US, peaking at number three in the Billboard Hot 100 chart, but also number seven in Germany to give the band their first top 10 single in Europe. The follow-up single, Satellite, gave the band their only top 40 in the UK, while also charting in Ireland at number 17, the Netherlands at number 20, Germany at number 34, and Belgium at number 35, while it reached reached number 13 in the US Billboard Hot 100. Their next two albums were relatively relative flops, with Zigzag, number 89, uh, sorry, released in 1989. Um, that reached 115 in the uh, Billboard Hot 200 chart. Okay. While Out of Body, released in 1993, didn't even chart. Although both charted well in Norway and Sweden. With both albums reaching number 12 in Norway. And both also having the same success in Sweden at number 13. The band went on hiatus in 1995, but reunited in 2001. And in 2003, they did a 17-city tour in Germany. Their final album was released in 2007, Time Stand Still. However, it didn't chart in any country. In May 2004, the band received a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Philadelphia Music Awards. Fair enough. Bobby Woods, the original bassist, he died in 2010, while John Kuzma, the band's original guitarist, died in 2011. In the UK, they had one top 30 singles. No albums started in the UK. So we go to the one song that you had, which was in 1987, Satellite, and it got to number 22. It weren't going to be a number one. I knew it weren't. Um, I don't get it. I don't get the song at all. I looked up the lyrics and I feel like it might have a political kind of little hint of political meaning behind it but i don't know i don't get it i just don't get it and i don't get the video and it's annoying because the songs are t- kind of bit catchy uh-huh. it's there's it, just something about it where my head moves and it's a bit catchy but i still don't get it okay so, maybe yeah. listen to the zombie one yeah maybe that one seemed yeah. to have they must have they um, seemed to really like that one following cock robin and um being as much use as a non-elastic band these have gone down like a lead balloon as well so we'll move on to midnight oil yeah so i put these as just rock um again so the lyrics in truganini 
I don't know how you'd say it, but they hint at something political as well. But I could be just thinking into it. I don't know. Apparently, I want something. But it's because they talk about something to do with monarchy. So I don't know whether mm. there's something again. Something I don't know. Um, well, only the monarchy. Songs. The monarchy is royals. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like I don't know if there's something behind that. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, they just dress very casually, and the vocalist seems angry. Okay. Either of these going to be number one? No. Uh, if any, beds are burning, but I can't see it being a number one. Okay. Midnight Oil. Peter Garrett on vocals. Rob Hurst on drums. Jim Mugini. Mugin, Mugin, Mugini. M-O-G-I-N-I-E, uh, guitar and keyboards, Andrew James on bass, and from 1977, Martin Watsey on guitar. They were formed in 1976 oh, wow. in Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. They are an alternative rock, hard rock, post-punk, new wave band. Rock. So rock, yeah. <laughs> so Hurst, McGinney and James originally formed a band in 1972 called Farm. Then in 1976, they enlisted Peter Garrett for vocals and changed their name to Midnight Oil and were informally known as The Oils. Oh. With guitarist Martin Watsey joining a year later, as I say, in 1977. In 1978, they released their self-titled debut album, which helped the band again a cult following. In their homeland, despite a lack of mainstream media acceptance, it wasn't until the release of their fourth album, 10987654321, in That was the name of their fourth album, yes. 10987654321. Um, that was in 1982, um, that the band achieved greater popularity throughout Australia with the album getting to number three and the single Power and the Passion not only reaching number eight in Australia, but also number four in New Zealand. Hey. In 1984, the band released their fifth studio album, Red Sails in the Sunset which became their first number one album in Australia. The follow-up album in 1986, Diesel and Dust, not only reached number one in Australia, but also in New Zealand. So that's now two number ones in Australia for their albums. It's they're doing good in their homeland. Oh, yeah. In Aust uh, so, and then, and Canada. Sorry. Um, and number five in Sweden and number seven in Switzerland. The album's first single, The Dead Heart, gave the band their highest charting single in Australia when it peaked at number four. Mm. While follow-up single, Beds of Burning, was an international success, reaching number one in both New Zealand and Canada, as well as reaching number three in the Netherlands, number five in France, and even number six on the US Billboard Top 100 chart. Wow. 
could be the number one. Mm. While also charting at number six in Australia. However, the follow-up single, Put Down That Weapon, disappointed only making the top 20 in New Zealand um, at number nine. Didn't chart anywhere else. else. So they had all that success with The Beds Are Burning, released the follow-up single, and it only charted it. Uh, well, in the, only charted in the top 20 in New Zealand, and that was number nine. So not everywhere else was outside the top 20. Okay. In 1990, the band released their seventh studio album, Blue Sky Mining, and again, that reached number one in Australia and New Zealand. That's three albums yeah. at number one in Australia, two yeah. at number one in New Zealand, as well as peaking at number two in germany netherlands and switzerland number three in sweden and number six in canada this was to be their best charting album internationally although their success continued with subsequent albums still charting in australia's top 10 they had 1993's earth and sun the moon number two 1996 breathe number three 1998 rednick wonderland number seven and 2002 capricornia number eight in the australian charts album chart um in 2002 following the disappointment of their two previous albums redneck wonderland which as i say got to number seven and capricorn number eight which are still in the top 10 um however they felt that they hadn't obviously achieved and they obviously they saw it as we've had number ones number twos number three and suddenly we get a seven and eight they saw it as a decline so they disbanded the band in 2002 however in 2006 the band were inducted into the australian recording industry associations hall of fame or as we know it aria hall of fame and in and on the back of that, well, I say on the back of that, ten years later from that, oh. <laughs> in twenty sixteen, the band announced they were reforming, and two albums have since been released. Oh. In twenty twenty, the Marahata Project got to number one in the Australian album chart, and in twenty twenty two, Resist also got to number one in the Australian oh. album chart, meaning that they've had five albums peak or number number one in australia and then out of their other albums earth sun and the moon got to number two and breathe number three and it was just the two albums that obviously got seven and eight which is on the back of them that they um had Mm -hmm. that disbandment that so all their albums have been in the top 10 in australia with five which is where they're from though so yeah, when it's yeah, like but that, still, like, well, nine albums and five of them have got to number one, with two of them getting in the top three as well, yeah, and all of them getting in the top ten. That's quite yeah, something. It's good going that. However, in the UK, yeah, they had one top twenty single, three top thirty albums. Nineteen eighty eight, Diesel and Dust got to number nineteen. 1990s blue sky mining got to number 28 while 1993's earth and sun and moon got to number 27 so the single yeah go on 
1988, Beds Are Burning, number 48. Shut up. Okay. Well, that was However, okay. it was re-released a year mm. later in 1989, yeah. where it did better than number 48. It got into the top 40. Yeah. Not only did it get into the top 40, it got into the top 20. So it's done better oh, than big Robin jump, and the Hooters. That's a big jump from their first yeah. Yeah. release. Not only did it get into the top 20, it got into the top 10. Okay, keep going. 1989. The who the midnight oils beds are burning got to number six. Oh, okay. So well, the then same as in Australia, and the same as in the US. These aren't going to have the number one because Truganini isn't going to do as well as that. Um, so beds are burning. It's my favourite out of the two. The weird thing is. Are the vocals like they like? I can't explain it. It's like it's like he's not singing. It's but it's weird talking. It's very odd. But the chorus really saves this song. Uh-huh. That's why it was my favorite. Okay, and then nineteen ninety three, Tragani, Tragani. I don't know how. Tragani, Tragani. Got to number twenty nine. Uh, yeah, they just sound angry. And lyrics are hard to understand. All I could hear was the monarchy, which is what maybe might be political, but I don't know. So, move on to the waterfront. Yeah. Still three number ones to find. Three groups remaining. I'd be happy if these got number one, but again, I don't think they will because I only had one song. But if that song was number one, yeah, I'd go for that. That's fine. I've gone with pop. um, And... In my eyes, Cry should be a major hit. Like, that hit big with me. I did listen to two more. So I listened to Broken Arrow, and that's right up my street. It's upbeat, sing-along, you know, stuff that I love. And then I listened to Nature of Love, which is a lot more slowed down. It's a love song, more focused on the vocals. Um, They look very 80s. Like, I like the mix. So, like, in... One of the videos, can't remember which one it was, but it kept going from seeing him in a double denim and then seeing him in like a leather jacket. I was like, oh, yeah, you suit both. Um, I think if these did better and were bigger, the lead vocalist could, or any of them, to be honest, could have been, it could have been like a heartthrob, heartthrob group. Okay. Yeah. So I'm intrigued as to why they didn't have more songs. Well, Waterfront were Philip Cilia and Chris Duffy. They were formed in 1987 in Cardiff, Wales. And they are Mm. pop. Simple pop, as you said. They were both originally in a local band, The Official Secrets, from Cardiff, and met their manager while recording demos in the Music Factory Studios in Cardiff. Uh, So John Newman, their manager remained as their manager throughout their career okay so they kept the same one so in 1987 waterfront were signed to emi 
And then in 1989, they signed up to Polydor um, as the man who signed them, David Munns, was the ex-CEO of EMI. So he obviously saw something in them at EMI and then took them to Polydor when he left EMI. Fair enough. Um, it was while with Polydor, the band released their self-titled debut album, Waterfront. I think every group we've had today, their first album was self-titled, other than probably the Pogues. I think the Hooters, I said, were self-titled. Yeah. I think Midnight All was self-titled. Yeah. And I think um, Cock Robin had self-titled album. Yeah. Robin, actually, now you've said that. So, yeah. yeah. So the album Waterfront, which went on to reach number 103 in the US Billboard Hot 200, which is, I mean, we, we think of 103 as not good, but the reason it is the Hot 200 is because of, of, as we said before, well, about how it's So a group that's never, a band that's literally just been formed to release something, to get 103 mm -hmm. is, is quite, quite something, yeah, I yeah. would say. Um, and it got to number 45 in the UK album chart. Okay. While the four singles released made little chart success, although the third single, Cry, did chart well in the US as it reached number 10 in the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart and number two in the US adult contem contemporary chart. While also right. making the top thirty in New Zealand, sorry, while also making number thirty in New Zealand, which was their only chart success outside the US and UK. Oh. Of the other three singles released, "Nature of Love" got to number sixty-three in the UK and reached number seventy in the Billboard Hot One Hundred and number forty-four in the Adult Contemporary chart. While Broken Arrow also got to number 63 in the UK, it didn't chart in the US. While Move On got to number 76 in the UK, it only charted in the US in the Adult Contemporary chart at number 24, but not in the Hot right. 100 billboard. Okay. They are the first Welsh duo to achieve a top 10 single in the US. And were named BMI Broadcast Music Inc. Songwriters of the Year in 1990. Mm, On the back of all this, Waterfront, the album, sold over 600,000 copies worldwide. While Cry was awarded as one of the most played singles on US radio at the BMI Awards Ceremony. And the song has since had one million plays on the radio in the US, resulting in membership to BMI's Millionaire Club. Wow. I'm still intrigued why there's not more. So while at the top, the duo parted, with Chris oh. Duffy releasing a solo album, also on Polydor Records, with Phil Cilia co-writing three of the tracks. Oh. oh yes right in may 2000 the duo reunited as waterfront and in 2007 
They were single of the week on the O2 Napster mobile download with an acoustic version of Valentine's Day. In 2009, the band recorded songs for a new album, which was based more on their alternative country music influences like Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen and Keith Urban. And the 11-track album, Ghosts of the Good, was released in November 2011 and included a bonus country makeover version of their hit single, Cry. In January 2020, Universal uploaded the album, Waterfront, to all streaming platforms and the single, Cry, amassed over 100,000 downloads on Spotify in the first three months of the listing. That's good going, isn't it? So, yes. However, no albums were released in the UK and they had one top 20 single, which, as we know, was 1989's Cry. Yeah. Got into the top 20. So did better mm. than Cock Robin and the Hooters. However, it didn't get into the top 10. It got Where? to number 17. Where are these three number ones? You're having me on here. You're having me on. Um, well, Cry was my favourite out of the three that I listened to. It's the most pop sounding this week. It's very catchy. Right up my street. So... It didn't do as well as burning beds. The beds are burning, sorry. No. No, no it didn't. No. But I thought it was better. I'm, I'm quite surprised. Okay. So. Better it. Hmm. We move on to the Darling Buds. Yeah. I've gone with just straight pop rock. Uh, they keep it simple with lyrics and sound. They're fun and upbeat. You gave me two songs. Um, I listened to two more. So I listened to Burst, which was upbeat, but it's still got a rock element to it. But they do something different with their with the rock sound. Like I don't know what it is. They're not like just yeah, rock. I think the pop rock really like the pop part of it really shines through. I like what they've done to to it. This is the probably I could listen to this type of rock, I think. Um and then I also listened to Let's Go Round There, and that's just very repetitive and fast-paced. Um, okay. With their style, they were leather. It focuses... This is what I find quite um, intriguing. So there's one woman in the band, and she's the vocalist, from what I could work out. I think there's, like, four men. But anyway, the woman is the only one who wears colour in all the videos. Oh. Men wear black, and she wears like a bit of blue, red. Like she wears a pop of colour. Very interesting. Quite, okay. I quite liked it. So the darling buds were Andrea Lewis Jarvis on vocals, Geraint Harley Farr on guitar, Richard Bloss Gray on drums, and Chris McDonough on bass. They were formed in 1986 in Newport, South Wales, another Welsh group. Jeez. And they are alternative rock indie pop. Okay. So they were named after the novel The Darling Buds of May 
by H.E. Bates, which was published in 1958 and has since been adapted for television in 1991 um, after the band was formed. So they had their name before the... Yeah, yeah, another book, yes, because there's another one after a book, wasn't there? Cockwobbing, yes. So the Darling Buds of May, I know, because it was a TV show with um, oh, the actor Del Boy from um, Falls Only Fools and Horses. I've forgotten his David Jason. Yes, so he yes. played R. Larkin. And it was called right. The Darling Buds of May. You had Catherine Zeta-Jones, who's married to Michael oh. Douglas in it. Um, yeah. And they've re- since redone it with um, Bradley Walsh. He's now in it. Oh, okay. Oh, so, yeah. Right. So... Um, yeah, the Darling Buds of May, it was a, it's a TV thing, but that didn't come out until 1991, whereas these were formed, obviously, in 1986. So they were around before the TV show. So they knew about the book before, before it, it was... was uh, I, when I read it, I thought when I saw Darling Buds, I thought, oh, I wonder if, they got, if they're named after the TV show. Well, they are, but they're not. They're named after the novel that the TV show is also based on interesting so yes so the band themselves were um sorry the band themselves were influenced by the early Beatles sounds as well as blondie um and the band were part of the short-lived now i'll be honest i've not heard of this one blonde movement um which is an indie rock band fronted by a blonde female Singer with all the member, the other members being dark-haired males. I mean, that's a bit weird, isn't it? That they've yeah. made like a thing about. It. Yeah, I've never heard of it. A blonde yeah, movement, many. and um, the other bands that were linked to this were Transvision Vamp, who you've had. Yeah. So Wendy James as the front lead, and obviously the rest of them were males with dark hair, yeah. and the Primitives. We've also had. Who you've also had, but I can't recall who was in the band. Obviously, it was a, a woman and some some males. But yeah, I do I'm remember when I know Wendy James, who was in Transition Vamp. Um, so the band's debut single, "If I Said," was self-released in February 1987, and was well received. Um, and so then the band signed up with Native Records who promptly, promptly re-released the single and got radio play on John Peel's Radio 1 show. Good old Following this, band members 19-year-old Andrea and guitarist Geraint um, Farr, also known as Harley, they split with um, their bassist, who was simply known as Simon, their original bassist. Okay. And they replaced him with Chris McDonough, along with a drummer, Richard Gray, also known as Bloss. So they got rid of their... So they, there was a, they were a trio, and then they got rid of Simon, the bassist, and brought in, two, brought in another bassist and a drummer. Okay, that's so probably what quartet. I saw in videos. And that is the line-up that is yeah, mainly associated with them. Also, I've written down that they were alternative rock and indie pop. I think that should have been indie rock because then I've read just what obviously said about the blonde movement was an indie rock indie band rock. fronted by a blonde, yeah. which would totally go against the grain when I said indie pop. So I apologise oh. on that. Well, I thought rock. they were. I 
thought they had a pop feel to them, um, so I didn't, I didn't question it. Uh, okay. Mate, well, unless it's a bit yeah, of both, both, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, so the new lineup now signed with Sony in 1988, and they released a debut album, Pop Said. In 1989, the album was, was described as relentlessly chirpy and reached the top 30 in the UK album chart, which included their only hit single, Hit the Ground, as well as Burst at number 50, Let's Go Round There at number 49, and You've Got to Choose at number 45. The band got to appear on top of the pops, performing Hit the Ground, and won the front cover of Music Mag Melody Maker twice on the 28th of September 1988 and the 18th of February 1989. Proud of that. So, yeah, in ninth, random fact. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Darling Buds won the front of Melody Maker twice. Did you ever get Melody Maker? No, no, I was a smash hit. Oh, standard. Yeah. And funny enough, they weren't nowhere near smash hits. As I say, I'd never heard of them. You'd never heard of them, so yeah, they um, couldn't have been. In 1990, drummer Bloss left the band and was replaced with Jimmy Hughes uh, from the band Black. And their second album, Quar Daddy, was not as well received or was successful. This did not deter the band from recording a third and final album. And in 1992, they released Erotica, just a few weeks before Madonna released her album of the same name. So we had two Eroticas. The album contained the US single Long Day in Universe, which was featured on the Mike Myers film, So I Married an Axe Murderer. And it was on the soundtrack. New drummer Hughes left and was briefly replaced by John Lee, then by drummer Dennis McCarthy. Around the same time, the band added a second guitarist, Matt Gray, formerly of Soldier Dolls, to the lineup. However, after touring the US in support of um, the album, the members of Darling Bud grew increasingly frustrated at their lack of commercial success and disbanded. So they brought in these new people and actually never, they only done a tour. They didn't, didn't release mm. another album or anything. Um, however, in 2012, Andrea explained in an interview with Q Magazine that Sony's London office wanted to pass on the financial buck after the band had moved to LA and the bureaucracy meant the band couldn't tour or record and was stuck in limbo for ages and so eventually just called it a day. Fair enough. Yes, it's fair enough, but it's a shame that they, they the, it was the, 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 the two record. Um, record companies couldn't come to some agreement because mm -hmm. they're messing with people, other people it, in a sense. And that is the weird thing with music. You're so, I mean, even um, Robbie Williams went on strike, didn't he, to get out of his Sony deal? I think it was Robbie Williams or George Michael. Um, but there's been, you know, so many high profile um, things about record deals and contracts. And I get it. If you sign a contract, you've agreed to it there well, and then, you know, you yeah. should. But um, it also, it really I'm is, gonna... you know, for these smaller groups, 
it's, it's um, like come on give them a yeah. bit of slap mm. and um we've seen it happen with um furniture very early on and yeah. and i'm sure there's been plenty others we spoke about about you know their their record deals well, yeah record deals sometimes it it comes up quite often doesn't it yeah mm. So they had one top 30 single in the UK and one top 30 album, which was 1989's Pop Said at number 23. So 1989 hit the ground was their top 30. It got to number 27. Okay. That one was upbeat, catchy. Like I said, they've kept it simple. So that one was a nice, simple one. And then, as I've already said, their 1989, You've Got to Choose, got to number 45. And guess what? That was my favourite. <laughs> um, and I said it sounds more like a pop song, but apparently they're not pop. Well, it's I've just written down like, indie pop, so maybe it was, but it's just when I was reading out about the blonde movement being pop. indie rock. So I thought, yeah. oh, I've said rock instead of pop. So they may well have been pop. There was definitely some sort of element to it. And like I say, this rock is something that I could listen to because they've got that. I don't know. There's just something different in there. And you've got to choose is a very good example of it. It was yeah, okay. it's a good one. Well, we've still got three number ones, but only one band left now. So as I we move on to Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers. I can't believe all three number ones have come from Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers. We know what I'm going to think about these already because we had some melody things last week and we know my view on that. I just don't get mixing sounds. So, But it was funny. new. It was something new. It was alien. It's, oh, it just, it's, oh, it's horrible. So the genre, they're like pop, swing, dance, disco, you know, a bit of everything's in there. Um, they just mix sounds and songs together. They've made these songs quite long as well. When I was listening to The Week, I was like, am I still listening? And I knew Jive Bunny and the Mask Mixers were at the end of my playlist as well. And I'm like, am I still listening to these? Like, Because when I usually finish my playlist, it starts um, again like from everything I've listened to this series, but um, it shuffles it. And I was like, am I not there yet? Like, it took a very long time. Um, They're very similar, like, the songs in each, like, the songs that they've taken, they're very, they're a lot older, and they're all quite similar. I I don't know, I think they've re-recorded some vocals, because I'm sure some of the songs were by, by Elvis Presley, and it didn't sound like Elvis. It's just all very odd, and I don't get the hype. It's just a bit too much putting them all together. Like, it's just a lot going on, isn't it? I'm intrigued as to how they pick the songs and intrigued how their mind thinks it sounds good. And for them to get three number ones, how do other people think they sound good? Because it's just little clips of the songs. Like, it's not even enough to get into the song. It's like, oh, yeah, you've had another that one. Off we go. It's just bad DJing, I think, anyway. Um, in the videos, they just seem like there was one video that I watched where I think they must have been on top of the pops or something. And they just, they were quite old. They look like they're having fun while they're performing. But 
what's very intriguing a lot of their videos i'm guessing it's the jive bunny but there's a cartoon bunny and it's like comic sketches or like it might be like real life and then this little animated bunny pops up on someone's shoulder or something so that was quite nice to watch a bit different but yeah so you don't you don't want to borrow my album shut up have you got an album Watch this space. I'll put, I'll, I'll put it on Twitter later. Um, so anyway, Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers were Les Hemstock, John Pickles, Andrew Pickles, Ian Morgan, and Mark the Hitman Smith. So they were formed in 1989 in Rotherham, and they are a novelty pop act. That really. Is what what yeah, I think the novelty bit comes from Jive Bunny, to be honest. Um, yeah, probably. More than anything. Um, so, yeah. So, Doncaster DJ and producer Les Hemstock, he created the original Swing the Mood mix for the Music Factory, who we've mentioned earlier as well. Um, they had an they had their own owned master mix DJ service. Okay, and um, from there it was developed as a single release by father and son team, John and Andy Pickles. And it was Andy who devised the Jive Bunny name. Ian Morgan, a fellow DJ and co-producer, also engineered and mixed some of the early releases, along with Andy Pickles. And by the early 90s, Morgan was then replaced with another DJ producer, Mark the Hitman Smith. So the original idea for the project, as it is, uh, came from Les Hemstock on the DJ only Master Mix DJ service. And although involved, John Pickles, father of Andy, was never in the band. Not that I'd call it a band. It was... It's it's just, master mixers, you know, but yeah. mixing, but they called themselves a band because they hence Jive Bunny and the master mixers. Yeah. The master mixers being these. Um, but John Pickles actually wasn't in it. Um, however, um, he was the owner of the label and effectively oh. the manager of them. Okay, so that's how he's involved. So that's how he's involved, and obviously, yeah. So the act had 11 entries in the UK singles chart between between July 1989 and November 1991. And what they did is each track used a sampled instrumental theme to join the old songs together. So they used the same music for each to get into the next track. The original European medleys featured the original recordings by the original artist. Yeah. However, legalities prevented certain original recordings to be reused in America. So the American Jive Bunny releases substituted later recordings um, with re-recordings of the same tunes by Bill Haley, Del Shannon and others. So they did re-record. Yeah, and later reissues further replace some of the artists such as Bill Haley and Elvis Presley with impersonator singers. 
which is why because ah. obviously downloads can be downloaded in the us so i'm guessing yeah. for streaming they have to they download are. the ones with the impersonator recordings yeah. rather than the original so the originals were on the uk re-release on the uk single releases but they then had to put personal impersonators on for the american audience and I'm guessing the ones you listen to would have to be those because they could also be downloaded, I'm guessing, in, in America. So, so that's yeah. why, for me, I can hear that they're definitely yeah. not the same. Correct. Right. So they had five top 10 singles and two top 30 albums. So in 1989, Jive Bunny, the album, got to number two and um i have a copy dad i'm i'm disappointed in you not gonna lie well plenty of other people obviously got it as well it? they got to number two but right? do you listen to it oh, what i did is a cassette but would you listen to it now put it on just to see but you know it's jive bunny it's not you. come on everybody 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 oh. come on everybody let's then again like we did last summer. It's just again. It's awful. <laughs> oh, no, my singing doesn't it. give it anything. But it was. You got to remember, it was music that I I wouldn't. Oh, oh I'm, I may have heard it, but like when I was little, because obviously that it was around know, from way. It's from the yeah. 1950s, I would say 1950s, 60s, and then it, they brought it to life with. The, the new way, you know, it wasn't, it, you know, they brought it back to life with what they did. So, um, yeah, it, it did well. And we're about to find out how well. So, yeah, 1989, Jive Bunny, the album, got to number two. And then in 1990, It's Party Time got to number 23. Okay. So, how did the singles do? Well, no, there's three number ones. and I You had, had quite a few. Eight. Yeah, 1989, Swing the Mood, got to number one. They just add odd sounds in between the songs. The, that, the thing is, with this one, it's got some good songs in now. Yeah. Come on, everybody, everybody, everybody. Let's twist again. Like we did last summer. Ooh. Yeah, that's on that one, isn't it? If I remember. Um, 1989, That's What I Like, number one. See, this is probably one of my least favourites of the... I can't even, because they're all, like, similar anyway. So when you're listening to it in a car, it just sounds like one <laughs> long song. Um, they're just trying to do too much, and that's what I like. Okay. 1989, Let's Party, number one. So all the number ones were in the 80s. Have you listened to Let's Party? No, I don't. I can't. I don't. We've don't had Fairy Tale of New York this week, which I skipped because I knew what it was. Let's Party is basically a Christmas mix. Oh. Legit uh -huh. starts off with it's Christmas. Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then you go yeah. through it and it's Christmas. So I skipped it halfway through because I was like, <laughs> I can't. I can't continue to listen to this. I just couldn't. I couldn't. So, yeah. Okay. 1990, that sounds good to me. 
got to number four. It was my favourite of the eight because I had to pick a favourite. Yeah. I like most of the songs in this one. It's upbeat. Not too much of an odd sound in between the songs. So that's why I picked that one. Okay. Glad you like one. Uh, 1990 Can Can, which I guess is a bit of a. Literally, can, that's how it starts. Uh, 1990 Can Can You Party got to number eight. But this one's a letdown because the songs in it are too different from one another. So you okay. start off with one thing and then you go to another and it's like, oh, that didn't flow very well. Okay. Still in 1990, Let's Swing Again got to number 19. This isn't the worst. This is all right. It's got some nice 50s sound in, like the blues and the swing in there. Quite enjoyed that one. Also, 1990, the Crazy Party Mixes, number 13. This was mostly just them doing sounds. It weren't many songs. That one was a bit. Eh. And in 1991, over to you, John. Here we go again. At number 28. This is probably the worst one. This is where the clips of the songs are really short. Like you kind of get like a line of the song and then a sound and then the next line of another song. So yeah, okay. I don't enjoy that. Which is why they obviously finished there. And um, yeah, that was the end of Jive Bunny as we knew him, unfortunately. bit like, um, I suppose, the Jive Bunny was the... Uh, late 80s, early 90s version of, um, what was that frog that you lot had? Crazy frog? That's the sorry, what? Crazy frog. Crazy frog, that's it. He I didn't did your, your... Oh, did he? I thought he'd done more yeah. than that. He did, well, obviously oh, no, he wasn't as long-lasting as Joy Bunny, was he? No, no, I think he did have an album, but he's only known for one song, really. Oh, right. And okay. it weren't anything like that. It was just literally <laughs> like the crazy frog making uh, sounds uh -huh. okay so did or didn't that influence daughter so we'll start with the pogues yeah so the pogues this was the hardest one for me to decide whether it was a yes or a no and i've gone with didn't mainly because of i don't think i'd i wouldn't go back to the songs I like Fairy Tale of New York, I listen to every year. Fine. Put that bit aside. And out of the songs that I had, I would probably go back to the Irish Rover, but I wouldn't say I'd really listen to any of the others. Like it's yeah. not, oh, it's no, not and I, I wouldn't, and that's why I missed them off originally. I only know them for their um their Christmas. I know they are a band and I know, you know, but they're not Yeah, but that, to me they're just that one me. hit with Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Cop Robin. Robin was a didn't. They're just too slow. Not much going on with him. Not for me. And mm. I can back myself up by saying that I've already listened to others. So I quite like yeah. when there's only one that can be that. But I've listened to more. I've tried it. Okay. Dip my foot in. Don't like it. The Hooters. Same thing. They're a didn't. I just don't get them. Like, Not I like watch that video guys. again then, though. I think that's just that's engraved in my brain. I'm never going to forget that. <laughs> um, I liked how we danced, but yeah, I wouldn't. If okay. that came on ever, 
I might listen to that if I ever remember about it. But yeah, not not a band for me. Um, Midnight, Midnight Oil. Oil. Yeah, same again. And I already decided I didn't like them because I didn't listen to any more. I had two songs from them. I did not listen to any more. I was just like, See, I like the bits are burning. I do like it. I like the beds are burning, but not enough that I would go listen to it again. No. I wouldn't listen to any of Midnight Oil again, I don't think. No. Okay. Waterfront. A waterfront. I enjoyed these. These are a did. They were right up my street. Cry, my favourite song of the week. And I even listened to two more. Um, and yeah, Nature of Love was a slower song. But yeah, I rate them. I like them. I'm a bit annoyed there weren't more. Okay. And maybe with Midnight, um, is it Midnight Oil, the uh, the zombie song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know no, 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 it weren't them. That was the Hooters. Maybe you need to. Yeah, I've make, made a note. So I'll go back to that one. Uh, moving on to the Darling, oh, sorry, Darling Buds. Again, I like these. These were a did. I will go back to these because it's, like I've said, this is the type of rock I could listen to. I don't know what it is they've done, but I like it. Okay. So yeah. And then I don't need to ask about driving a master mix, driving mm-hmm. in a master mixes. They got three number ones. Clearly you're gonna like it. Three number ones. Not many bands can say that. So um, that's a big tick, yeah. It's a big cross. I'm not a mix of person. No. That, that I've done my bit. And that's right. enough. Don't wanna listen no, to the no. album then. No, thanks. You Imagine listening to that album in the car. Might have to do it now. I basically listened I to an album. in the car now. I they basically listened to an album. I had eight songs. It felt like the longest one song in the world. Uh, so no. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of the uh, the bands of eighties, really, because the next. Four episodes are going to be the bands that didn't make the 80s. They had mm. singles released, but they didn't get into the top 40. Yeah. They, they did get into the top 100. Okay. So now I'm not going to ask if you've heard of them because I haven't heard of them. So there's no point me asking you because you definitely won't have heard of them. Nope, just so I should read out. Mm-hmm. who they are and you never know we might have some listeners who do know who might may have seen them in you know a live music in a pub and yeah, these like, might be them you never know mm-hmm. um so the first groups bands that you have are devo cheap trick our daughter's wedding B-Movie, and The Go-Go's. Okay. Now, The Go-Go's people may have heard. However, we're talking 1980s. They did not have a hit in the 1980s. I'm going to be able to find the songs and everything. Well, that's the other thing. Um, If you can't find them on Spotify, it may well be a YouTube um look up don't find one there so then i'll be a bit worried yeah 
Okay. Well, I will send you the uh, the songs over. So that's Devo, Cheap Trick, Our Daughter's Wedding, which is quite a funny name or strange name, not funny, strange odd. name for odd. Yeah, very for a band. Yeah. You know, what group are you from? Our Daughter's Wedding. What you played at your what daughter's wedding? Daughter's no, wedding? that's our name. <laughs> so yeah, uh, B movie and the Go Go's. Oh, sorry, I've missed one. Fix. That's F I X X. Okay. Right. So six groups. Six. Okay. Okay. Yep. So I'm just one. intrigued. And it's like, I guess if there's only one hit for them, I'm not really going to be able to find any. There's no hits. No hits. No, but uh, not hits. I mean, if you only send me one song by them. Oh, yeah. I'm not really going to be able to find any more. So I've just got to no. really go off what I've got. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah, better go. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll send those to you and um, we'll discuss next week if you think they should have been a, a, a group with more potential, if you think they were a band with more potential. Or maybe um, they were just in the wrong decade. Well, maybe, maybe. Mm, we'll see. I know. Yeah. All right, then. Okay. Well, on that, on that note, I'll say goodbye. Bye, Dad. See you.